In the beginning was the world. Oh, see, you think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and mollycoddles, huh? It's just You think Jesus was some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts. Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with legendary Christian rock musician Randy Stonehill. Now the last time I saw Randy was at Easterfest a few years ago uh, and uh, had a great discussion and I shared with him that when I was eight years old I saw him performing at Greenbelt Festival in England and he did Shut the Door, Keep Out the Devil and there was thousands of people there I think it might have been raining. It was just so powerful. Uh, and you mentioned that it was an amazing experience for you. Tell us why that concert was such a big deal for you, Randy. Um, it was it was a rich exercise in um, in really trusting God. Um, I was sandwiched in on the biggest night, the Saturday night, between uh, Sheila Walsh and her band, and then uh, the Elvis of Europe, uh, Cliff Richard, and. Um, um, the promoter came to me shortly before the performance. And he said, look, I'm sorry to do this, but things are running behind. We're going to have to clip your set. Um, there, there's going to be people moving equipment behind you to set up for Cliff. I, I, do you, I don't want to insult you. Um, uh, do, you do you want to just uh, sort of cancel this performance, bow out, and do the acoustic tent tomorrow in a more intimate setting? And I said, you know... Now, thank you for, you know, for your concern. But no, I came all the way from America. I want to play the main stage. I'll, I'll just, by God's grace, I'll make it work. And I remember getting out on stage in front of 32,000 people, uh, the most folks I've ever played in front of, and uh, just saying under my breath, you know, Lord, be real to me now. And this is about you. It's not about me. And, um, and actually uh, getting the audience to start singing Shut De Doe, from way in the back, I looked and said, "Okay, you people, you got to be my rear guard. You got to bring this up from the back," and and that united the the audience. Um, and then I actually introduced the road crew. I said, "Now, ladies and gentlemen, you'll notice these people behind me. Um, they don't really do anything musical, but I just feel better having them here. So, would you please welcome the Randettes?" And and. The audience loved it, and the and the road crew actually sort of got wind of what I was doing, and they started nodding at the audience and bowing, and it was just a wonderful, wonderful moment. And uh, so, like I said, one of those times when you really come out of your comfort zone and say, Lord, I think you've made a way, and I think you'll meet me here. And he did. Now, I remember that song, Shut the Door, Keep Out the Devil, and I've just seen you perform it live, and once again, the crowd went crazy, singing along, and Mark Hall from Casting Crowns joined you on the stage. Uh, you mentioned that there's been lots of remix versions. What, what kind of styles of music have been, has Shut the Door, Keep Out the Devil been recorded in now? Um, my goodness. It's um, everything from folk versions to uh, reggae versions Rock versions, choral versions, rap versions, if you can imagine that. Yo, yo dog, keep out the devil. In the house. Recognize. Folks, they need to pick a language and commit, but that's another issue. Um, and, and I was just on tour in Canada in September, and a, a fella came back to the, um, to the, uh, the table in the lobby where I was you know, greeting people and signing CDs. And he said, 
I just heard a new version of that. I said, really? What, pray tell, could that be? And he said, handbells. I thought, handbells. This is, it's just so wrong, isn't it, really? But memorable, though heaven knows we'll try to forget. Now, one of the other things that uh, I'm just fascinated with, with the history of Christian music is some of the legends that you started, you know, singing alongside uh, on stage tonight. You mentioned Keith Green. Let's start with him. Uh, what kind of a guy was Keith Green? He was absolutely unique, um, brilliant, um, profoundly passionate about about Jesus, um, and and he you know, he was a young man. I mean, he um, so he had his own growing growing pains and insecurities, and you know he could be he could be sort of like a tornado in a room, um, but but. Boy, uh, just uh, just mightily used of God, and uh, and I, I, you know, I loved being with him. He was like a force of nature, and he was like I said, he 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 wanted to be your friend, and but he he was so intense, and he had all of his opinions, and and then when Jesus got a hold of him, he just he just burned white hot. Uh, I've, I really have. Uh, I've never seen anything uh, uh, before or since uh, like him. He was almost like a, a modern-day um, John the Baptist or something. And I heard that uh, he called you once about a word from God about writing a song. <laughs> yeah. You know, because he, when he was really listening closely to heaven, boy, he got it right. And he called me one busy afternoon, and he was so... He was so in the moment. He he lived his life almost like a man who sensed somewhere deep inside that he had very little time. And, um, you know, and he, he went to be with the Lord at the age of 28. I mean, he'd only been a Christian eight years. and um, But uh, he, he called me up and he said, he didn't even bother to say hello. He was so focused on the mission, so to speak. He said, Randy, you've got to come over right now. Okay, I, I'm working on this music, but God told me. It's like, how are you going to argue with that, right? <laughs> he said, God told me, you're the guy that's going to write the lyrics. He's going to do mighty things with it. It's going to go all around the world. He's like, and he's shouting. I'm holding the phone back, reaching for my aspirin, you know, just going, <laughs> this man is truly amazing. And so anyway, I said, okay, Keith, Keith, <laughs> stop shouting. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to your house. As I was putting down the phone, he was still shouting. So I put it back up to my ear. I said, Keith, okay. Um, I can't come to your... Okay, if I'm talking to you on the phone, I can't come to your house. It's it's not a spiritual gift of mine, you see. And he said, no, no, no. I, I want you to hear the music right now. So you start thinking about the lyrics. I said, Keith, I live a half mile from you. Would you please just let me get in my car? He went, no, no, no. Just just smash the phone up really close to your ear. And he just had to love him, you know. He was just, it was so... He was like aggravating and endearing both at the same time. And, and such a special man um, and I miss him but I said okay man okay so I put the phone up you know I held the phone up and he started playing the, the melody and after a while he stopped and he got back on the phone he said praise God I mean isn't that beautiful and it wasn't he wasn't bragging he just knew that God was up to something and I said man that is that's lovely okay he goes okay come over right now click and I just, oh Keith so I, I went to his I went to his house, um, and you could hear the music wafting out 
onto the front lawn. His music room was at the back of the house, but he was wailing and flailing. So even as I pulled into the driveway, I could hear it. And um, I, um, I walked down uh, the hall to the music room. He had his eyes closed and his head thrown back, and he's just in the, into this music, you know. He's just playing like mad. And, and then he sensed that someone was in the room, just as, as you normally would, you know. He stopped playing. He opened his eyes. He looked at me. He grabbed a yellow legal pad and a pen. No kidding. And he just grabbed it, and he looked at me, and he went, Okay, so go ahead. <laughs> and I just looked at him, and I said, Okay, Keith, let me round out the conversation for you. Yes, it's good to see you, too. No, I don't need a cup of coffee. Yes, I've been fine. And he just kind of smiled. He went, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, go ahead. Kind of staring at me with these big puppy dog eyes, you know, like, I'm telling you, God told me you're the man. And so I said, okay, okay, um, play some of the music. He said, okay, okay. So he started playing the, the, uh, the melody to the verse. And I looked at him and I said, okay, what about something like this? Um, like a foolish dreamer trying to build a highway to the sky. And he went, yes, praise God. See, I knew you were the guy. <laughs> and he just trapped me in the music room for like three hours until I'd written most of the lyrics. And then finally, after they were, they were almost done, uh, I looked at him and I said, Keith, I'm going home now. And, and do you know why? And he said, no. Why? I said, because you're not the boss of me and I'm going to go have dinner. And he went, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, um, okay. But if you think of any more lyrics on your way home, call me right when you get there. I went, I love you, Keith. He went, yeah, okay, I love you too, man. And then, and then we watched as the, as the Lord took the song all around the world. Your love broke through. I've heard the song many a time. Now, there's another uh, story uh, I've heard you share before about an encounter with Larry Norman. Uh, was it in his kitchen that you had a conversion experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually met Larry, um, who was from my hometown of San Jose, California. I met him in 1968 uh, when I was 16. And I actually met him because I met his sister at a little folk concert where we were both performing. And um, But I was familiar with his work in this wonderful regional band called People. And uh, that was the band that would open up for all the heavy hitter international acts like the Birds and the Mamas and Papas. And, and, um, but I met his sister and she said, man, you're really gifted. You know, I bet my brother would like to meet you. And I said, okay, who's your brother? She said, Larry Norman. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is, that, is, is he the lead singer for People? She said, yeah, that's him. I said, oh, man. He's amazing. I'd love to meet him. And so um, uh, he came home for uh, vacation and was playing at this little Christian coffee house. And she invited me there. And uh, uh, she introduced us after his set. And he told me later on, he said, the minute I met you, God tapped my shoulder and said, psst, psst, this kid, you're going to work with this kid. He said, so I started praying for you. And he'd write me letters on occasion, and and um, uh, and I was excited because he's you know he was in rock and roll, and he was with Capitol Records, and um, and um, he said he, he, like he, he wrote to me and he said, look man, when you graduate from high school, why don't you come come south, come to L.A., and I will I'll help you get your start. 
And I thought, man, this is amazing. Uh, but I did notice at the coffee shop that night, um, there was this Jesus in his lyrics. And I thought, well, I don't know what that's about. But he's very cool, and he's very funny, and he's very bright and talented, and I guess I'll just kind of ignore the Jesus part and let him teach me about the business. So I got in my car after graduating from high school, and um, I was with the lead guitarist from my own little local band, and I said, now look, this Larry guy, is, he's great, uh, and he's connected with Capitol Records. I mean, come on, they distribute the Beatles. I mean, this is the stuff, you know? Um, but he, but he's like a Christian, whatever that is. So when he starts talking about Jesus, and believe me, he will. Let's we don't want to insult him. We'll just kind of smile and nod, you know, uh, and then we'll shift the conversation over to well, tell us about tell us about Capitol Records and how you how you get in that door, you know. So that was our plan, right? We got to his house. My friend stayed outside to have a cigarette. I went in because uh, Larry had. Asked if anyone, you know, wanted lunch, wanted a sandwich. And I said, yeah, man, I'm hungry. Little did I know how hungry I really was. Uh, And I went into the kitchen, and I noticed he had dishes in the sink. And I thought I'd be a polite guest, so I started helping him with the dishes. I had my back to him, right? So he told me later, he said, he kind of looked up at heaven, he said, you got to get him, God. I mean, he's a hippie boy. I can't have him getting high in my backyard and dragging girls home off the boulevard that he he's sure he's in love with again this week, you know. And the Lord was saying, I know, just just open your mouth. I'll do the rest. And so Larry said, um, so how you doing? And the Lord honored his obedience, and that simple question pierced me to the core. It was like the Holy Spirit's surgical scalpel and I just it just went right into my heart and I turned around and I said I don't know man I mean how's anybody really doing we're all just free falling through space aren't we we're all just faking it and Larry's eyes got wide and he realized that the Holy Spirit was leading you know and he said well no Randy we're not all just faking it you know and there's there's a living hope and his name is Jesus and I believe that that's really why you're here. Do you want to pray with me? And I, I laughed in his face. I said, no, I don't, I don't even know what that means. I don't want to pray with you. But my heart started pounding harder and harder, and I could sense that someone or something was in the room. And I thought, what's going on here? And Larry sensed the spirit as well. And, and so he became emboldened, you know. He said, you don't want to pray, huh? And that's a shame, you know, because God, Randy, anything God removes from your life, he does so so that he can replace it with something far richer, the gift of himself. Randy, he's got, you got nothing to lose and you have everything to gain and God is calling you and you know it. Do you want to pray with me now? And man, by this time, my knees were shaken. I felt like the walls were quaking and I just went, um, okay. All right, just, just, just leave me alone, man. I don't want to pray with you. And he said, oh, okay. So you're not ready, huh? Yeah, you know, the Bible says that now is the time and today is the day of salvation, man. And you know I care about you. You know, you know I wouldn't lie to you. Randy, Randy, you're away from home for the first time in your life. You're going to take on the world like a man. You have to face Jesus like a man. You want to pray with me now? And by this time, the, the Holy Spirit was so thick in the room 
let me testify, gang, that you could almost cut it with a butter knife, you know? And I, I turned around to him and I said, okay, 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 I'll pray with you. And um, so he said, okay, come here, man. And we sat at the kitchen table and he, he led me in a sinner's prayer. And, uh, and then when I was done, he said, now, Randy, this is not religion and it's not uh, a social club or a code of ethics. This is a relationship. You need to talk with God um, in your own language because this is the beginning of a father-child you know, relationship. So um, you, just, you need to just speak to him from your heart. And so I did the most honest thing I could, and I said, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't really believe in you, but I believe in you enough that I'm talking to you. So, if you're real, come be real to me. Um, I, I don't use words like sin, but today I understand what it means because I've been playing God myself, and that's insane because I ain't, I ain't you, you know. So I realized, you know, I got it. The, the Spirit, I mean, the Lord revealed it to me that, the, you know, it's, it's, this, it's the sin of Satan wanting to play God. I said, look, I... You know, I'm trying to pretend like I'm in control of my life, but I, I just, I hurt myself. I hurt people around me. I, um, I and and I, I get it today. I, I am a sinner, um, and um, and so, in light of that truth, I don't know why you would even want to deal with me. But I guess that's because you love us with a holy love, and you proved that at the cross, and so. Uh, if you want me, I'm yours. Uh, just, just reach me in a way I can understand, and I will follow you. And um, and he already had. I mean, it was obvious to me that he was the spirit of God was in the room. Uh, and it got stronger and stronger, as if the Lord was saying, "Okay, son, I- I'm a gentleman here. You want me to be real to you? I will come as close to you as you allow me to, and I'll let I'll let you call it." And Man, I could barely catch my breath. I thought I was either going to, you know, uh, throw up, pass out, or fly. I, and and finally, um, I actually found myself muttering under my breath, "Okay, pl- that's enough. Please, please back away. I believe. Don't come any closer. I believe. I believe. I believe." And then slowly but surely, the spirit sort of eased up, you know. And Larry had like tears streaming down his face, and he hugged me, and and. Um, uh, and he said, Randy, I, I think you should just be really cool about everything that's transpired now. Uh, you can even write it off if you want as, a, as an acid flashback. Uh, yeah, the 60s was tough on me, folks. Um, or, you know, or, or your emotional, emotionalism, you're away from home for the first time. But this is what you need to do. You need to start cultivating this relationship with the Lord. Read the Word of God. It's living and eternal. Um, talk to the Lord like He's your Father, because He is. And and just sort of put this whole experience today in the back of your mind. Now, two months from now, I want you to look over your shoulder, and you'll bust out laughing, because you will know, undeniably, that... You, you will see, as you look over your shoulder, you will see the unmistakable fingerprints of God all over your life. And then you'll know that what happened here this afternoon 
was in tr- was true and it was uh, you met Jesus and uh, so that was 41 years ago uh, in this coming June wow what a powerful uh, story of uh, conversion and you know, thank God that Larry Norman was obedient and went after you so you're around Keith Green and Larry Norman I'm also curious about the early days of the Vineyard Movement. Did you have much to do with Ken Gallickson and John Wimber when the Vineyard Movement started back then? You know, um, I, I did in a way, um, but it was actually it actually uh, is a is a precursor to that because Ken Gullickson was my pastor um, who uh, first um, uh, headed up a little home uh, midweek Bible study. Uh, which later on became the Vineyard Church, and um, I just I saw him a few years ago at uh, Melody Green's 60th birthday party, and um, he said, "You know, um, I thank you for inviting Keith to the Bible study, because I, uh, you know, Keith and I would have these intense conversations about you know spiritual things, and and he he wanted God, but he wanted God on his own terms, and I I." knew him well enough to know that he'd take a dare. And so after one of these heated discussions with him, I said, look, Keith, I go to a cool little Bible study. Uh, a lot of musicians go there. Uh, even Debbie Boone and her boyfriend goes there. Um, I-, I dare you, man. I mean, you've got all these opinions, all these questions, you know, all this passion. Um, but I just, I just dare you to go check this out. Um, maybe I think you'll find it compelling and challenging. If you don't like it, you can walk. I mean, it's not a cult, you know. They're not going to tie you to a chair or something. Um, but I'm going to go out on the road for about a week. I just, I dare you, Mr. Green, go check this out. And he and he sort of set his chin, you know, and he looked at me and he went, Yeah? Yeah? Okay, okay. Uh, when is it? Where is it? And I thought to myself, bingo, you know. And I said, okay, it's Thursday nights, 7 o'clock. And um, I came back a week later, and he'd become a believer that, that night. Then when I saw Ken Gullickson all these years later, he said, man, I will never forget Keith Green. Because at the end of this simple Bible study with about 60 people there, I said, now look, if anybody is serious about relationship with Christ, and you feel like God is speaking to you, just just let me know by a simple raising of your hand. He said, Keith's hand shot up like a rocket. And uh, he said, so I, I ended up, you know, I ended up, I went to the back of the room and and uh, and prayed with him and then just watched God just, you know, take him, take him by the, by the heart and do amazing things. And was Bob Dylan ever involved in that group? Did you ever have any connections with him at all? I didn't have connections with him, but Keith did, and some of my other friends did. Um, yeah, the study had grown into the first Vineyard Church, and then it split just because of size and convenience. There was a faction in Santa Monica where Bob Dylan ended up going uh, at the invite of some friends. And um, but my favorite story is that um, uh, I guess Keith met him at the summer Bible classes, and Keith, being Keith thought, yeah, well, he's Bob Dylan, but now he's a brother in the Lord, and we're all, that's, that levels the playing field. We're all just the same in, in Christ, you know, we're all, we're all um, 
beggars at the king's table and you know grateful to be there so he had the the uh, courage uh, and the liberty to invite Bob to sing on one of or to to play harmonica on uh, I think it was his first album uh, I think it was No Compromise or maybe it was the second one but um, and then he told me no Melody told me later on um, many many years later she said you know I'll never forget Bob Dylan sitting in the back of our car um, and we were up uh, we, we were after the, a Bible study or something we were parked uh, up um, on Mulholland Avenue kind of overlooking the city lights and he had this cassette of the demos for Slow Train Coming. And he's sitting in the back seat, and he said, Hey, um, Keith, would you listen to this and, and, and tell, me, tell me what you think, you know, like about the lyrics and stuff. And Keith said, Well, sure, Bob, I'll be happy to. And he said, you know, and Melody said, This is one of the only times where I ever saw Keith kind of flustered. Because they, he put the cassette into the cassette deck, and they'd play a song, and then Dylan would poke his big fuzzy head between Keith and Melody, you know, and he'd go, "So, what do you think of that?" And Keith would say, "Oh, Bob, that's wonderful. It's right on." Oh, okay, thanks. Okay, you listen to the next one, and then and Melody said Keith would look at me like, as if to say, "Can you believe what's happening? We have." the poet laureate of the universe and he's in our car and he's asking my opinion and and melody just smiled and just was like this is incredible so i just love that story and i love i love that keith was so bold he just went hey he's bob dylan but he's a brother and he's musical i'm gonna invite him you know i could that's just so great uh, the other song of yours that uh, i used to hear on the radio when i was a young fella was great big stupid world um, I co-wrote that with uh, with Terry Scott Taylor uh, from the Daniel Amos Band and Lost Dogs. Just just a musical genius, and um, it, you know people tend to remember what they laugh at. A little bit of uh, sugar makes the helps the a little bit of honey helps the medicine go down. And I thought, man, this is it's a world gone mad without without Jesus in in the middle of it. You know. Um, and how can we say that in a in a colorful, memorable way? And and Terry and I actually sat at a restaurant called Hoff's Hut one afternoon, and we just had this sort of playful, lyrical competition. We'd go line for line and say, okay, okay, what about this? Uh, we worship at the Shroud of Elvis. Um, and he just cracked up. He went, yeah, we're waiting for that money from Ed McMahon, who was a TV host in America, you know. And so, and we um, we bounced back and forth, and we had so much fun um, that um, you know it, this, the song came tumbling out. If Jesus came back today, they'd try to book him on the Oprah Winfrey show. That's the line I remember. Well, uh, Randy, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I reckon you're a history maker, and uh, you're welcome back to Australia down under any time. Oh, thank you, good sir. Blessings to you, one and all. Um, hey, remember, keep seeking the Lord because he is seeking you. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us on History Makers today. You know, the vision of History Makers is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. We're now on over 58 radio stations around Australia and Pacific nations, and we're so excited about the opportunity we have to broadcast the good news on the airwaves. If you would like to make a donation, 
please go to our website, historymakersradio.com. There you can also download interviews. We've got some great web links and some great information for you about following Jesus. So please go to historymakersradio.com. I'm Matt Prater. God bless. Go and make history. History Makers.